بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجعل الحسن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته حياكم الله وجزاكم الله خير for attending Today's attending is not like a normal attending. You can't expect just yani. You know, normative actions, even the most mundane actions, okay? Actually, I'm going to mention this. Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankit actually mentions this point with respect to the ruling on the wiping on the socks. The ruling. I'm going to precede him and explain, give you a modern context. Um, I was just going to say that normative actions are not always re- rewarded the same. So, yeah, like, uh, okay, I can hear someone. Huh? Oh, right, right. Oh, right. I was going to say, I can hear a second voice. Uh, right, so I was going to say that norm- norm- normative actions, right, um, that you expect a set kind of reward for normally, that's not always going to be the same. It will actually differ, the reward. I believe, I, I strongly believe that our attendance tonight here for this masjid, for the jama'ah during this lesson is more rewarding than normal because the whole world and his dog is currently at home watching the TV, Okay. So I want to say to you, first of all, first of all, I want to apologize for the uh, quality on the video because we've had an internet problem again and this is an ongoing issue and we are obviously uh, investigating that, well, more than investigating, we've, you know, murdered ourselves over it and we've got all kinds of people coming out and all kinds of costs being paid, money no object, blah, 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 but we can't fix it at the moment. So that's the reason why the quality of the picture is so poor, but hopefully you'll be able to hear me, which is more important. Um, I was just going to say that tonight, obviously... Uh, while, while everyone is watching the big game tonight, okay, and we decide to sacrifice that and come here, I think that's a mighty thing. And I hope, I hope that you made the intention to do this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I swear honestly that your reward is more than normal. That's it. I'm telling you that right now. So I want to just tell you a few important guidelines, okay, for today's lesson. The first and the most important guideline is that I guarantee on this spot right now that any person tells me the score, okay, right, at any moment, either during this lesson or indicates it in either tears or smiles, okay, <laughs> either by looking repeatedly at their phone or, or anything, and gives me any even accidental indication that I've worked out that a goal has been let in or scored, you'll be banned from the circle forever, <laughs> okay, this remains until I leave this masjid Complex meaning I have to be in the car on the way home. I bought sky plus HD for this very reason Okay, and that thing is on record and paused right at the moment where I left it And I want to come back to that moment and I want to relax I want to eat my yani my, my roti and everything nicely and I want to go through all of the emotions I want to go through the emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so That's the first point. The second point is because the Prophet ﷺ, he used to love an optimistic word. Actually, he was a very optimistic kind of man, 
Okay, always very optimistic. Huh, Sheikh uh, Abdelghafar? Always. Huh? Yeah, but he's not. He's an optimistic for the football. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar, for the benefit of the people at home, he said, Yes, definitely the Prophet was an optimistic man, but not optimistic about the football. <laughs> I want to say that I am optimistic about our team. And so we are parading the cup already. <laughs> Just going through the. Because you've got to practice it. You need to know at what moment and how to raise it. That's going to happen within the forecoming six weeks, inshallah. Right. So that's that. Third thing, I wanted to share with you a story. Okay. Nice story. Because it's memories. Okay. Absolutely nothing to do with the dars. But it's relative. Relative, relevant, relevant. Um, the last time, actually Bayern Munich and Manchester United have met before recently, but the key time that they met, of course, was in the 99 uh, Champions League final. Okay? And I just wanted to recall to you guys, if you haven't already heard the story, what happened to me that night. Okay? I just want to just tell you what happened to me that night. I was living in Masjid Zakaria. So Masjid Zakaria is in Wali Range. Okay, and um, I had, um, I had, basically put it this way, I had a deal with the imam there that I would stay, I was single, working by myself, blah, blah, and this is after university, and I, uh, and a friend of mine, Sufyan Ismail, his name is, and um, I used to live, if you've ever been to uh, Masjid Zakaria in Wali Range, then they have, a, they have a downstairs and they have an upstairs, but if you go up again, then there's a two-room attic completely open, that actually they converted for their imam. He then moved out, I moved in. That's where I used to live, okay? I lived there for a good couple of years as well. And owned like bathroom, kitchen, everything, blah, blah. I had another guy, he used to do all the cooking, Jazallah khair, yeah, because I can't cook at all, right? So, um, I remember that, that, I remember very clearly what happened that night. Because, as you know, May, whatever, 15, 20th, whatever day it was, is right bang on when Maghrib is very late, okay? And so we were there watching the game. Actually, we went in the masjid. We went to a house just down the road, just down the road, literally five minutes away, and we're watching the game. And this game is the most depressing game on the history of, in the history of football. We're losing 1-0. We're getting battered left, right, center. It's all a disaster. And, you know, we were, we were practicing. I just want to let you know that we were practicing, but we could be definitely a bit more practicing, yeah? And there was no mega intention to come to Maghrib. There was no intention. And to come to Maghrib, which I think was around 10 past, quarter past nine, meant missing the last maybe about <laughs> six, seven minutes of the game. So, <laughs> so obviously, six, seven minutes to go, eight minutes to go, we said to each other, yeah, this game's a bakwas, we're losing anyway. So forget it, man. Let's go to the masjid for Maghrib. And then the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> we, we missed completely everything that happened. We went to Maghrib. We came out of the masjid walking and the phones are all going crazy. We didn't have mobiles in those, those days. We know what was going on. People lying, joking, messing around, whatever, whatnot. 
we let it in, we, we let it into the lifting of the cup. The only <laughs> Astaghfirullah. The last two, three minutes where the whole thing turned around. So there's a little story about Maghrib. You see, the reason I give you that example is that I would have been rewarded handsomely and expected to be rewarded handsomely for going for Maghrib intentionally. But we didn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like the people here who have come to Maghrib, they've come not knowing, you know, what's going to happen, whatever. But whereas we were yaqeen and there's no point staying for this game, we're going to go anyway. I want to say to you that the two Maghribs are not the same. The two prayers are not the same in, in Niyyah. The ruling is not the same. And you might think I'm talking rubbish, right? But Sheikh Muhammad Bukhtar al-Shanqib is going to say the exact same thing about wiping the socks. But we'll come to that in a second. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Bismillah. Uh, okay, so um, we gave a little introduction to the uh, chapter of wiping the socks uh, last week. But today we're actually starting a text. So let's actually remind ourselves of the first page of the Arabic. Babu Masil Hufayn, the chapter of wiping over footwear. This is the first page of the notes. Um, Imam al-Hujawi, our author, alayhi rahmatullah, he says, يَجُوزُ يَوْمًا وَلَيْلَةً وَلِمُسَافِرٍ ثَلَاثَةً بِلِيَالِيَهَا مِنْ حَدَثٍ بَعْدَ لُبْسٍ عَلَى طَاهِرٍ مُبَاحٍ سَاتِرٍ لِلْمَفْرُودٍ يَثْبُتُ بِنَفْسِهِ The chapter of wiping over the footwear. Wiping over footwear is permissible for a time period of 24 hours. And 72 hours though for a traveler. Starting from the moment that one becomes ritually impure, i.e. breaks their wudu, after wearing it, meaning after you've put them on. On the condition though that the hoof itself, though the footwear itself, sorry, is one, ritually pure, tahir. It is mubah, meaning it itself is lawful. Number three, that it is satirin al-mafrood, that it is covering those areas of the foot which is obligatory to wash. And four, yathbutu binafsi, it stays up by itself, it stays in place by itself. It's itself a complete unit, okay? This is the first page of our notes. Sheikh al-Uthameen, he starts immediately, immediately with the statement of the author, yajuz al-muqimin yawman wa he says that the author has told us that wiping over footwear is permissible for a day and a night. But Sheikh asks a question, he goes, what's permissible? What exactly does he mean is permissible? That wiping over, uh, I'll, read to, I'll read the sentence to you in English, listen carefully. Wiping over footwear is permissible for a time period of 24 hours. What's permissible? What's perm- is, is there one thing here or two things? In this sentence, how many things are there? Well, I mean, it, or let me put it a different way. Is the sentence as obvious as it sounds? No. What are the two things? Wiping, Wiping is on the footwear. Is that permissible or not? No. Nope. The time period. Correct. The time period. It's permissible for 24 hours or not. Do you understand? And so this is one of the problems, of course, that you're faced with when someone writes a metan, a text in fiqh, because, which which by, by its very nature needs to be very short, concise, and it's normally memorized. And you memorize it, okay, and then you generally learn the basic rules, but then you study with the teacher and you understand all the explanation to it. But when it comes to the actual text itself, it's not always very self-explanatory what it's referring to. Is our author saying 
that the actual wiping of a sock is permissible or footwear is permissible? Or is he saying it is permissible for 24 hours? Sheikh Al-Uthameen, he basically discusses the point here uh, from, from, from both sides. And he goes, he, goes, uh, he goes, regardless, there's an answer for both. He goes, whether it's for the time period or not, or whether it's for the actual ruling or not, okay, um, it doesn't matter. What, uh, what the intention, though, of the author is, is something very different. He, in the Mu'allif, in the Mu'allif, عَبَّرَ بِالْجَوَازِ دَفْعًا لِقَوْلٍ مَنْ يَقُولُ بِالْمَنَعِ that the most important thing to understand here is the reason why the author said Yajus, permissible. He's saying that in order to, ref to respond to those people who said it is impermissible. That's the reason that he said that. The reason that he started off with permissibility is because he's actually responding to those that said it is impermissible. And Sheikh Al-Uthameen, he goes that, this does not in itself, in of itself intrinsically, negate that it's not legislated. Of course, it is mashru'ah. Mashru'ah, by the way, is an important word, okay, that all students of knowledge should know. Mashru'ah means it has been legislated by the shari'ah. Who's the shari'ah? Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the lawmaker, the lawgiver, the legislator. All three of these words can be used, okay? His law is the shari'ah, okay? So the shari'ah, sends down the sharia and when something is legislated and done and made yani, obligatory or whatever upon us it becomes mashru'a it becomes legislated so the legislation the law the system i mean sharia is more than just the law by the way i want you to know that but that is the the entire system allah is the law maker the sharia and the law giver the legislator and mashru'a means something which is legislated in your religion um and sheikh al-thamini he goes well the scholars are always emphasizing the statement of permissibility of something in in response to those people who are saying and claiming that it's not permissible and that's something which is important from a technical point of view um and he says, and he says, وَإِن كَانَ الْحُكْمُ عِنْدَهُمْ لَيْسَ مَقْصُورًا عَلَى الْجَوَازِ بَلْ هُوَ إِمَّا وَاجِبٌ أَوْ مُسْتَحَبٌ This is the key point. He goes, and that statement that it is permissible is said regardless of their actual opinion of the ruling on the action. Meaning that they may think that the action itself is recommended or obligatory. Do you understand that? So the action itself may be a sunnah, mustahab action, okay, a recommended action, or it may be an obligatory action, but for the sake of the text, for the sake of the job that he's doing, he will say that it is permissible in order to respond to those people who are saying that it is impermissible. As for the actual ruling about whether it's mustahab or whether it's wajib or whether it's this or that, that will come later as of and when necessary. He gives an interesting example. He goes, He goes, something similar to this is the position of some of the scholars. Translated, this statement is difficult to translate because the reason, the thing that he's trying to emphasize is in the Arabic. It's in the lamb. Okay, but basically, I would translate this in Arabic as, as for those who have 
taken ihram, started their ihram, were in a state of ihram to do hajj, hajj al-mufrad, okay? There's three types of hajj, hajj qiran, hajj mufrad, and hajj tamattu, three types, okay? Um, I'm not going to go into details now, but hajj tamattu is one that all of us do, okay? The one where you go do umrah, and then you get changed, you have a period of time, and then you basically take ihram again. But the hajj mufrad, okay, is the hardcore one. The Hajj Mufred is basically you come, you bring your own animal, and because you have your own animal, your own sacrificial animal, which you've brought with you, you enter Mecca, you do Umrah, regardless of what time that is, it could be at any time of the season or even before season, but if you've come for Hajj and you've got your animal, you will do Umrah and then you will remain in a state of Ihram all the way through to Hajj, do the Hajj, and then only until you've completed Hajj. X weeks later, do you come out of ihram? Okay, it is the most difficult form of hajj, right? And it's very rare, and it's very, uh, it's very rare. Anyway, that's what hajj mufrad is, um, or hajj ifrad, I should say, not hajj mufrad. Hajj mufrad, hajj ifrad. Okay. Um, now, uh, the, the what I'm trying to translate is a statement of the scholars to give you an idea of the language. He said, whoever has, whoever is in a state of ihram for the Hajj of Ifrad, and he has not brought an animal with him, then he should, then he should break his Ihram, do Umrah, and become a Mutumatya. Okay, become someone who's doing Hajj Tumatya. This is what the Prophet ﷺ of course did, and imposed upon Ali radiallahu anhu, and actually, the majority of the companions. I think only Talha, I think only Talha out of a huge group of companions, when they all came to do Hajj, when the Prophet ﷺ turned around and said, who's brought the animals with them? And they all checked and none of them had the animals with them. I think only Talha had an animal with him and the Prophet ﷺ. And then he said, right, we'll get changed then. I mean, then break your ihram then. Yani, you've done your umrah khalas. And they were really upset. They were upset and they actually started to kind of argue with the Prophet ﷺ, hold on, you're doing it, we want to be doing it like you. We can see that yani, this is obviously the more difficult one. Don't like, give us the easy option out, you know, we want to do it properly. And the Prophet ﷺ said, listen, you didn't bring your animal, just come out of it. So the point is, is that this lamb in the Arabic language, this lamb, waliman ahrama, okay, this lamb is indicating in the Arabic language that a person must do that. He must come out of ihram. But actually, the statement of the scholars is not obligating that. It's not an obligation to do that. A person, if he stayed in ihram and carried on and did hajj, it would be acceptable. But when a scholar would say, I would explain this, he would say he should. Even though the, 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 the lamb itself indicates obligation. I probably lost you with that point, but that's, that's fair enough because that is actually quite a, uh, uh, a delicate point. فتعبير باللام الدالة على الجواز في مقابل من منع ذلك لأن بعض العلماء يقول بعدم الجواز لأن هذا من إبطال العمل. Basically, as I said, normally you would look at the language and you're thinking that he's obligating something. In actual fact, is actually just saying that something is permissible, not trying to obligate something. So that's the point. What's our conclusion from the first word? That this action is permissible, and at times, and this is now the point I was making. Okay, Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti. He says, he says that 
when we, uh, 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 in his comment on this statement of Yajus, this is a very interesting deep statement of the of the fuqaha which basically is saying that it's clear that this action is something which is permissible yet at the same time that the ruling of permissibility changes according to the intention and the objective of the one who's doing it for example, if someone starts to wipe over his socks in order to teach other people the sunnah and reviving the sunnah, then this will therefore becomes a recommended action and he will be rewarded handsomely as a result. And then he finishes and he says, and as for someone who, he goes and he goes and as for someone who notices that actually the people have stopped it completely, and then he brings it back out and teaches the people how to do this and teaches them this something which is the Prophet ﷺ sunnah, then that is a wajib actually. Because to teach people the religion when people are not practicing it at all, intentionally not practicing at all, then that's an, obligation, that's an obligatory piece of knowledge to teach people the deen. So then to wipe over the sock, says Muhammad Sankriti, becomes an obligation. You see what I'm saying? Meaning the same action of the wiping its ruling and the reward based upon that ruling differs according to context. Context is everything. Context is everything. And if you understand this point, you'll understand my little wisdom that I shared with you about coming to Maghrib and being rewarded for a handsome book. See that? You thought I was just talking about football and mediation, you know, pure attack and not waiting. SubhanAllah, Shaykh. Allah. So, uh, okay, so the next statement then, okay, is Lil, um, ha, this is interesting, this is interesting, the, if you look at your text, alright, your actual text, you will see that it says, Yajuzu Yawman Walayla, can you see that? In the text that Sheikh Muhammad, Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Al-Uthameen is using, Okay? There's an extra word. And actually, when you compare the manuscripts, and I did, uh, you will find half of the manuscripts don't include this word, muqim, and the other, word, other half do. Regardless, it doesn't matter. The reason it doesn't matter is because the word muqim means resident. Okay? And if it's there or not there, the fact that 24 hours is mentioned it's clear to anyone who has any knowledge of any hadith or anything knows that this is referring to a resident. Especially because the next sentence is saying and for the traveller it's 72 hours. Which is obviously indicating that it's referring to the resident beforehand. So I just want you to know that there, the, two, the, the word is not there in some texts but its meaning is definitely implied. So we don't need to worry about that. Now, this is a really interesting point. We now know that the ruling for wiping for 24 hours upon a sock, okay, or footwear, which we will talk about in these conditions in the, in the next coming weeks, okay, is allowed for 24 hours for the muqim. What is the muqim? The word muqim is the one who has taken iqama. Iqama, residency. Iqama means residency. Qama, iqama, okay, uh, means residency. 
And in the Arab world, when you say, I want an iqama, it means I want a residency visa. Okay, that's what we call a residency visa. It's called an iqama. The one who qama yaqum is one who stands. Okay, when you stand somewhere in the Arabic language, the idea is that you're marking your spot. I'm, I, this is me. You know, this is my zone. I stand here. This is me. I represent this area. I'm establishing myself. When we say the iqama, qad qamat is salah that actually translates as as the prayer stood has stu- stood up as the prayer has stood up but of course the prayer hasn't stood up it means to establish so the iqama is to establish something so the adhan is to call and the iqama is to establish to set it up to get on with and the uh, so therefore i want you to understand that the iqama is to establish to settle to 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 start to to do something of value to really kind of you know uh, 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 I think the, the best word I think that clarifies is establish. If that's the if that's the case, then the muqim is the person who goes to an area and establishes himself. Now the problem has come because the scholars, the fuqaha, they wanted to describe the state of a person in an area that he's living, and therefore al fuqaha rahimahumullah, they said that there are three states of a person. Al-Iqama, Al-Istiqan, and Excellent, Al-Safar. Okay, so Al-Iqama means resident. We, we will translate for the sake of translation. Al-Iqama means a resident. Al-Istiqan, okay, Al-Istiqan, I, uh, 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 I want to let you guys work this out what this means using your Arabic language. Okay? The one who does al istitan is called al mustawtin. Now, from the Arabic uh, uh, language, those who are studying Arabic should know that when it comes to a verb that has alif, seen, and ta, okay? This is someone who's seeking something, yes? Yeah? Istaf'ala, okay? He's seeking something. What is the person seeking if it's istiyatan or he is a mustawtin? The word is watan, yes? At the end, you can identify it from the verb. The istiyatan or the mustawtin is, is seeking watan. What is watan? Watan is watan. Yeah. No, no. Wallahi, I said Urdu and I got upset because I'm thinking of my, of my, of my, of my Jan. My, you think I was going to say Shazad, isn't it? I'm not thinking about Shazad one little bit. Shazad currently is just left the Raffles Fairmont Hotel yani in Mecca. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Tabarakallah. He sent me a video. I said, show me where you're staying. He didn't show me a room. He showed me a mansion. The place was so big. They be walking, walking, one room, next room, this, that, whatever. I don't care one little bit for Shazad. My heart is missing Bobby Jan. Bobby James skin Shadi Yogya today. Today? No, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Maybe the day after tomorrow. But he went today. He's currently in the hotel. Just for I let you know. In Pakistan. I miss Bobby, man. Hi, Bobby. Right. So, uh, so you're basically seeking watan. What would that be translated as in English? In, in English? 
nationality. All right? Nationality. So the if we are going to translate the first one, Al-Iqama, as residency, we'll translate Istiyatan as nationality. The one who takes nationality, does he become a national or a citizen? That's not a question. I mean, I'm, I literally want to know. I don't know. Citizen. Muwatin or Mustawtin? Are they both this? Okay, good question. That's also a good question. Muwatin and Mustawtin, one is seeking, one is yani, almost like a permanent state. Muwatin al ismul fa'al, it is done. Both of them are in a position. I think the meaning is the same, actually. But the question is, is that do you see that as a national or a... What do you understand by that? Maybe we'll talk a bit more about it, then you'll understand a bit more. And the third one is Safar, which is a state of travel. So the one who's instead of Safar is a Musafir, therefore he's a traveler. So they recognize three separate individual states that a person can be in. Okay? And now it is vital, according to the Fuqaha, to identify a person's state when he walks into your gathering. For example, as we're going to find out, let's say that there's 20, 30 of us here on Friday lunchtime. We say we should do Jum'ah. We look around and we see to ourselves, all right, who's, who's the one who can do it best? We say, yeah, you're the one who does it best. Go uh, ahead and lead the, uh, do the, the khutbah. According to a number of scholars, someone who's not a mustawthin, that's a condition, he can, he's the only one who can do the khutbah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Someone who is mustawthin is the only person who can do a khutbah. The one who is muqeem, according to them, can't do a khutbah. The one who is musafir definitely can't do a khutbah. So I just want you to know that's why it's so important to understand actually what is the status of this person. This is a really interesting chapter because actually it applies in so many different areas as well. We're not going to cover most of those implications because they come in the chapter of the prayer. But I do want to introduce the concept to you just as Sheikh Al-Ustameen also gently brings this to the, the fore. So, Sheikh goes, He goes that they differ according to, they, they, the, the scholars differed in what rulings they applied to these three states. So he goes, he goes uh, meaning that, um, that there's a ruling for the one who's Musafir, and there's a separate ruling for the one who's Mustaltin, and there's a separate ruling for the one who is Muqeen. Sheikh Ustameen, straight off the bat, from the beginning, he goes, I just want to say right, right, right from before we start that there, this is the correct position is the only two states. Uh, he, he, he goes, He said that either you are Mustaltin, you are a, we use, what word do we use? Citizen. Okay. Either you are a citizen or you are a traveler. Okay. That's his words. Okay. And then he says, Islam. He goes, Ibn Taymiyyah, Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, this is also his opinion as well. Now, this is a rare opinion. The majority of the scholars did indeed actually categorize people into three types and not two. But I mean, I, I mean it's not just Ibn Taymiyyah and Shaykh al-Islam, but I'm saying that it's the minority opinion. I want you to know. Now, listen to the discussion. He says, Sheikh Uthameen and Ibn Taymiyyah, he said, basically, why do we say that? 
he said because it is clear that the rules of Islam they are divided into two either you are a traveler or you're not either you're a traveler or you're not now look at the language changing he goes as for there to be a intermediary position there's no evidence for that in the book or the sunnah nothing in the Quran nothing in the sunnah to establish evidence for this this kind of sec- this third kind of in between position okay so he goes okay but so where did they get it from he goes well al-iqama in the fuqaha he goes according to the fuqaha iqama to establish residency to become resident has a specific meaning he an yaquma al-musafiru iqamatan tamna'u al-qasra wa rukhas as-safar wa la yakunu mustawtinan wa ala hadha fa innahu muqim fala tan'aqidu bihi al-jum'a ولا تجب عليه أي بنفسه ولا يكون خطيبا ولا إماما فيها حتى لو أراد أن يقيم سنتين أو ثلاثا Very interesting Sheikh said that the fuqaha basically understand that the word إقامة and the مقيم is basically something a state and a person who basically loses the rights of travel that's it that's, that's, that's it they, it's almost like they've created a, a category of people to just be opposite to a traveller. But they didn't go all the way. So this is what they said that the, the muqim is. They said the muqim is the one who cannot shorten his prayer. This is the definitions of a muqim. Cannot shorten his prayer. Does not get to enjoy the concessions of travel. What are the concessions of travel? Combine the prayer. Not fasting. That's qasar. We said that already. Optional jum'ah. Accept the dua. That's good. That's outside the box like that. Anything else? What are we doing at the moment? Wiping over the socks. Yeah? Three days. Okay? So, they, so they, it's almost they created a category to say that's what the muqim is. He's the person... Who can't do this? Can't he? Can't in, he? Can't shorten his prayer, and he can't enjoy the benefits of of uh, thingy. But this is they carried on. But he's not. A, he's not a national. He's not mustaltin, and because of that, Jumai is not obligatory upon him. Jumai is not obligatory upon him. He's not actually being. He's not actually latin aqid. Yani. He is not even he is not even requested yani, amongst the people to attend the Jum'ah because he's not seen as part of the community. Does that make sense? You know the Jum'ah, I just want you to understand, uh, 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 we've obviously lost this because you know we're all working people, modern civilization, blah, 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 blah. But the point is that Jum'ah is meant to be a very communal thing. That's why it comes from Jama'ah, to gather the people together. And the Jama'ah is the, the people. And the Jumu'ah is a day of gathering and the people come together and they pray together and they get reminded together and then they go out and they, you know, they, they intermingle and so on and so forth. Now that kind of thing is really only kind of powerful when people know each other. Whereas when there's a guy who doesn't really know anyone, doesn't care for anyone, he just wants to come in and out, you know, he's a working kind of guy, then you understand therefore why people who are not from the area and therefore quote-unquote travelers, that's why Jumu'ah is not really something which is upon them. Yeah? Jum'ah is something of a community Keeps a city together I'm not saying that's the illa I'm saying that's from one of its wisdoms So when you understand this This is why the, the fuqaha Just are uh, making this point 
But they said, they also said that therefore Jum'ah is not an obligation upon him. He is not meant to be a khatib. He is not meant to be a, 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 an imam. And this is regardless if he stays in that area after his travel for two or even three years. For two or even three years. And according to them, still going to the court, not Sheikh Uthameen is talking about them. And he goes, and according to them, والمستوطن, He goes, the Mustawtin though, is the people who have taken that land as a country for themselves. Meaning they've, they've, they've committed to it. Now, um, should we have a discussion about that? Because I want to, because um, let, me, let, me, let me tell you what, what Sheikh Uthameen just finishes off with. He goes, so he goes, therefore, According, uh, um, so Sheikh Uthameen is now going to make a criticism here. He basically says, therefore, the hukam of the muqim, uh, when it's being used in the text, when it comes to wiping over the socks, is the same as the ruling of the hukam on the mustawtin. Actually, both of them, whether you consider the guy to be a resident or whether you consider him to be a national, the point is, is that he's what is he not? He's not a traveler. So regardless, the 24-hour limit is going to apply to him when it comes to wiping on his socks. And the same ruling will be applied to them, both of them, when they want to complete their prayer. And when it comes to the uh, fasting, both of them have to fast. But... The muqim, according to the ima, uh, the, 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 the according to the, the fuqaha, is not the same as the mustawtin when it comes to the issue of Jumu'ah and uh, being the khatib and becoming the imam. And I'm sorry, but there's no evidence for this whatsoever. And that's what Shaykh Al-Usaymin says. There's no evidence for this thingy suddenly that everything's the same. Muqim, mustawtin is the same. Same in prayer, praying it full, same in this, same in that, same in everything else. Suddenly, you can't pray Jum'ah, or you don't have to pray Jum'ah, and blah, blah, blah. He goes, there's no evidence for that. There's this not to be, uh, uh, this is not something that we go by, and, there's, and, uh, and so on. I want to just have a quick chat about this. The reason I want to do so is because, actually, some of the people, and we will come to this in 36 years when we get to Kitab Salah, but they did say that, Sheikh Al-Uthameen's opinion on this issue here about Iqama and Al-Istitan is what affected some of the Saudi scholars when they gave fatwa to Saudi students who came to study. Now, these are not rumors, these are true. That there are fatwa that were given to Saudi students who came to the West, okay? Um, and I, need to, I, I really should have found some and presented it to the class, which allowed them to do Qasr for years. Okay, now I just want to say to you that that is not necessarily this argument because if they were doing qasr and so on and so forth, that would be them being assumed as musafir, not muqim, because Sheikh Al-Tamim made it very, very clear that a person is muqim, mustawtin, same thing. Okay, I just want to say to you that those fatawa are there. I have not seen anything from Sheikh Al-Tamim, but I have seen it from those, some scholars who consider the same argument that basically there is no such thing as muqim. So they take out the muqim category. They say you're either musafir or you're either mustawtin. Now I just want you to know that Shaykh al is coming to a much more softer opinion. He's saying, correct, 
you are either musafir or you, you are either mustawtin, but the muqim is the mustawtin. Do you understand? Whereas the other people, other voices have said, actually, there's no such thing as a muqim. Either you are a traveler or either you are full-blown actual resident, uh, yani, uh, citizen, and so on and so forth. They gave this example. I remember having this discussion. They said if a Saudi student goes to an area and he takes a contract of rent and he only does it for one year, the nature of his activities would determine how this person sees himself in this country. So for example, whether he moves to a certain area because he puts his children into a school which he sees five years of attendance, or he chooses... a uh, he goes to an area and he doesn't even bother putting the children into a school because he wants to go straight for private tuition, for example, because he knows he's going to be going soon. Person who takes bills and this and that and so on. Meaning that there is that, that there does seem to be, actually, when you think about it, a difference between a person who comes and stays for a little while and a person who comes and commits himself. And often when a person starts taking utility bills out in his name, this shows permanency and commitment. Do you, let's have a discussion. What do you guys think? Do you think that it's possible to have three categories of state? Are there three categories or are there only two, practically speaking? Would a permanent person, what, 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 would the per, what would be the differences between a person doing something to, ex, to show permanency? It depends on the visa categories, can't you? It's because they're only temporary visas. By definition, they are not permanent. Okay. So legally, they're not allowed to stay below a certain time. Legally, they're not because their actual visa itself says temporary visa, visitor visa, blah, blah. That's the official status. Yes. In this country, whilst they're here. Hmm. It's a temporary status. What do you think then? If that's the case, then a foreign student who comes here on a six-month visa and me, we're not the same then. Would you agree? So this person who comes to stay for six months, do you agree, okay, that if we're going to make him, you know, say to him, listen, you're here, you're permanent, whatever, whatnot, you should pray and all the rest of it, okay? Should we look more at his actions about how he actually is within six months? Let me give you an example. When we come to the chapter of traveling in Salah, you will realize that a person could be a traveler for six months. How is that possible? Anyone remember? Correct. He doesn't know, and those who have done fiqh salah, they know we covered this, okay? He doesn't know whether he's going to be traveling in the next couple of days or not. His mind is always, yani, maybe, maybe not. We'll just see how it goes, see what's happening, things. And this level of uncertainty then is clearly a difference from being someone who's permanently settled. And it's also someone different from someone who's on a six-month visa but knows that, you know what, for six months I do need to get, 
gas, water, electricity, and pay council tax and do all the rest. And so he takes out all these bills, but he does it for six months because he does, not, does want to go back. So he does have some kind of pseudo-permanency, yet at the same time he does want to go back. So I want to say that actually the fuqaha were not off their rocker when they were thinking that people are not all the same just in two categories, that they are different. But the real question is what uh, we hear here, that actually doesn't matter. What matters is how we're going to apply it. What is the actual difference? What is the difference? And in my opinion, in my personal opinion, I think that's where Sheikh al is absolutely spot on. Because ultimately, this is an issue really that only matters if you're making differentiation between Musafir and so-and-so, not between Mustawtin and Muqim. Because the difference between Mustawtin and Muqim in terms of their residency is irrelevant. As long as they're not Musafir, then we're going to make them pray full, stay full, do full, everything full, full, full. Prayer on time, prayer in the masjid, Jum'ah in the masjid. And therefore to say that Jum'ah is something which is not obligatory upon this pseudo-category, that is where the scholars are not happy with because there's no evidence for it. And I have to say that I, I support that position. And I think it's a good one. So that's my position. Um, so in summary, a person who is in an area, it doesn't matter whether he is a national, whether he has a passport, whether he's on temporary visa or not. In my opinion, as long as he does not consider himself to be a traveler. And remember, this is... this. I have to say that it is a bit tricky to get your head around this if you've not studied the issue of Safar. Because the scholars differed over who's a Musafir. I mean, my position, the position of the Hanbali school and the Shafi'i school, is that anyone who stays in a place over four days, he becomes a resident. Okay, after four days. After actually, technically, after 20 prayers. So that when you go to an area and you know that you're going to be praying 21 prayers in that area, you will become a resident. And you will start praying full from the second you arrive. Because you know, I'm here for five days, I'm praying 25 prayers, then I'm going to then pray full. Do you understand? According to the Hanafi school, and some of the other opinions of the Fuqaha, actually it's 14 days and 15 days. Meaning that a person could go to a place and he knows he's there for two weeks, and because he knows he's there for two weeks, then throughout the entire time period, he's shortening his prayer. And if he needs to, also combining as well. But then there is a, there's another strong voice, strong voice, which says there's no evidence for four days, or for 14 days, or for any days. It's about a person and his psychology, his mentality, his reality. He goes to an area, and there are people when they go to an area, and they know how they're being made to feel. Do you understand? You can go and live in an area for one or two months, but the family that you're living with is keeping you trapped in your room. You can't come out. You need to go to the fridge to get any pani or anything. You have to make phone calls. Is Mrs. around or not? Is she walking about? Can you someone give me water? This is yani, a prison. This is yani, you know, not, not, not life. This is not easy. Okay? And that's why Sheikh Ihlan, you know, those who know, of course, will have heard him say before, very famous statement of his, uh, or, uh, when someone uh, uh, he goes if someone comes and asks me uh, 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 whether they are a traveler or not I've, I'm going to go to this area or I'm here in this area for this period of time am I a traveler or not the question we ask him is that do you have do you have a fridge do you have a fridge, <laughs> uh, have a fridge? see he's very much of the third opinion okay he's of the third opinion he doesn't believe in days he doesn't believe in distance. He just believes that the, 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 the illa, the sharia reason for traveling, is purely difficulty and nothing else. And this is a very strong opinion. 
Meaning that he, what his, his opinion is, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down this concession, all these concessions that are linked with traveling, because whatever you're going through is causing difficulty. And so therefore, if you have difficulty in your life, then you are able to take the concession. And what he says is actually very, uh, actually has lots of evidence to support it. From the Quran, from the Sunnah, from the fact that rain, when the rain comes down, we combine, we can, uh, not shorten, we combine from the issues of war, we're allowed to shorten and combine difficulty, rain, beggar, torrential rain, difficulty, the hadith in Muslim that we mentioned last week, I think, or whatever, uh, hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, the Prophet ﷺ combined in Medina, and there was no rain, there was no war, why did he do that? To lift difficulty of the people, meaning there's an understanding that, that, that difficulty is actually a very key factor when it comes to making things easy for people. So whenever you see a concession, normally, normally, it's difficulty which is at the root, not necessarily miles travelled, not necessarily days stayed. And you can see that this argument gets stronger and stronger the more that we move away from the prophetic time. Because at that time, travelling for three days and doing 48 miles, you can understand, you know, that's some serious behaviour. Whereas yeah, and you're driving down the road is 48 miles these days, isn't it? Yeah? You might say, I just need to go to the shops, love, and you go 50 miles down the road. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a whole different time. And, and so on. There's reverse arguments to this as well. I just want to say to you that, uh, and, and this is true, uh, I don't care if someone comes and chauffeurs me in 50 miles or 48 miles, and I'm, I'm talking mega huge uh, limousine, and they're massaging me all the way, and whatever, whatnot. I don't want to be there. I hate traveling. I don't care whether I'm enjoying the, the process or not. For me, it's being outside my home. I don't want to be outside my home. Now, I just want you to think about that point. Because that indicates that actually none of us really know what is the illa in why the concession for traveling has been given. Who says it's about difficulty? Who says that it's something that we can't even perceive? We know that the Prophet ﷺ said that the traveling as safar al-azab. It's a portion of punishment. Some people know that. Some people see it. Some people don't see it. So it's a very interesting point. So the, the issue there about the fridge, of course, what Sheikh is referring to, is this holistic opinion, which is that traveling is all about how free you feel. If you have your own fridge, you are able to go and get water whenever you want, drink whenever you want, you have access to your own toilet whenever you want, you can come and go as you please, you sound pretty settled. Whereas when you're kind of like, you know, it's time to eat and no one's cooking for you, so you're now having to look in the yellow pages to see who can do delivery and who can do this. And you go and ask strangers outside the, the, the house you're staying at, where's the closest takeaway? These are not statements of someone who's from the area. You know what I'm saying? This, is, this sounds like a person who's passing through, doesn't know what's going on. So this, this position is a modern position and it's a really strong held one. That actually... The safar, traveling, is what is considered to be traveling by the people. And the distance that, that one travels where the rules and the concessions of traveling kick in is not a 48 mile or a 52 miles, but it's what the people think is traveling. What the people think is a journey. So for example, you will say to some people, Liverpool. Liverpool is what, 30 miles? 31 miles, I think. Who thinks that's a journey? We have one vote, that's it. One vote. Who thinks a trip to Sheffield's a journey? 
Sheffield's 35 miles. But that is one mission of 35 miles. That's down here. I'm 60 over Snakes Pass. Die three times on Snakes Pass. Yeah, and he get killed, come back to life. I had a mental accident on Snakes Pass, by the way. Mental accident. Snowing, coming down, and uh, brakes the, the locked. And I'm just going, you know, imagine all that behavior, and I'm just skidding. Big Merc, yeah, S-Class coming the other way. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? SubhanAllah, he's, uh, you know, SubhanAllah, for three seconds, I could see the whites of his eyes. He's holding on to the thing, he doesn't know what to do. And I, my car's locked, it's not moving anywhere. And it was snow, man, I'm out of snow. And I just, you know, SubhanAllah, Allah, he saved him. He just, he just kind of, he couldn't turn because it's a cliff, isn't it? It's a mountain, it's whatever it is. Snake's pass is serious, man. He hasn't got, he hasn't got the opportunity to throw himself this way. So he just tried to slow down as much as he could. And by the, the fuddle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I missed him. If I'd hit him, he would have gone over. If I'd hit him, he would have been pushed over. And he was able to stop, and I just skidded, and I went straight into the wall of the, uh, the, um, the, 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 the mountain or whatever it is. Boosh, like that. Cavalier. Great cars, Cavaliers. Gassam. Wonderful cars. 1.7 TDI engine. <laughs> no, but it, I, it was bad conditions. I wasn't looking after it like a proper yani, man should look after his girl, you know what I'm saying? Didn't give it the, the PR, yani, you know what I'm saying? So, anyway, so that 35 miles is taking you like, you know, longer, it's more difficult. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, when you start putting miles on things, it's an interesting discussion, yani, what really is the illa? Is it miles per se, or is it the difficulty encountered? I used to, when some people used to ask me, is something traveling or not? I have an opinion. I mean, I personally, personally, I follow the humbly opinion because it's safer and easier. I don't have to think. I don't like to think about things too much. Just say 50 miles, okay, four days is fine. But for people who follow that opinion, they want to know what is the parameter, I'll say to them that the parameter is you ask a taxi driver. When a taxi driver is going on a journey and the taxi driver, he says, you know, you say to the person, I want to go to X location. And he says... Okay, and he puts the meter on, that's not a journey. Whereas when you say to the taxi driver, I'm going to X location, he goes, okay then, that's a set fare. Then normally when a person says a set fare, it's because they understand that this is now going out the bounds of my city. And we're going on a journey. We're going on a journey. This is just one way that some people may classify a, 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 a traveling. Now, you can see the pros in that and you can see the cons in that. You can see how con uh, subjective that could be. Huh? But we'll come to that discussion later. Anyway, the point is this, is that um, for us as far as we're concerned, the one who is a, a, a mustaltin and muqim for us is the same person. It doesn't matter. They will both wipe over their socks for 24, their, their footwear for, for 24 hours, whereas the musafir won't. What's the, um, the evidence for uh, 24 hours? Actually, the, the statement is yawman wa layla, day, one day and one night, okay? And this is because of the hadith of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said, جَعَلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لِلْمُقِيمِ يَوْمًا وَلَيْلًا وَلِلْمُسَافِرِ ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامِ بِلْيَالِيَهِنْ Okay, this is a hadith in Muslim. The Prophet said that the Prophet he made for the muqim, he made it for the muqim a day and a night, 24 hours. And for the musafir, 
Three days with its nights, i.e. 72 hours. Three days with its nights, i.e. 72 hours. This hadith has been narrated by Muslim. And Shaykh Ruthamin says, this is a nasarihun bayinun mufassal. This is a very clear, undoubted text. Yeah, and there's no flapping about with this text, divine text. And it is clear then that anyone who is not traveling, it doesn't matter what we call him, Muqim, Mustaltin, resident, national, chilling, whatever, he's doing 24 hours. And the one who's Musafir, he's doing, 20, uh, he's doing 72 hours. Then Sheikh says, وَلِمُسَافِرْ ثَلَاثَةً بِلَيَالِيَاهَا The three days with its nights, 72 hours. Does this mean all traveling, all safar? And according to um, Sheikh Al-Uthameen, and this is the top position of this class, okay, this actually is all traveling. It doesn't matter whether it's far or near, and it doesn't matter whether it is the uh, soft, it is traveling which allows you to shorten the prayer or it doesn't. Is there a travel that doesn't allow you to shorten the prayer? Yes. What is that? It's massive. Excellent. The humbly madhab, okay, in the humbly madhab, they consider one type of uh, safar. No problem. You like that, yeah? is correct. Um, okay, so just to finish off then, inshallah, um, according to the madhab, okay, um, there are uh, traveling which is hated, makruh, and there's also traveling which itself is haram, okay? It's possible for you to travel very, very far. But it's actually a traveling which is haram in itself because you're doing it for the sake of 
a haram reason. Maybe you're going to steal something. You're going to London to steal a car, for example. I mean, you can't say, right, I'm going to do qasar yani, along the way. I'm going to pray qasar here, pray qasar there, steal the car. And, yani, you know what I'm saying? So, um, um, and so on and so forth. So, uh, what they said, what they said basically is that th- this is a difference. Anyway, Sheikh Lutamin says actually there is, uh, in his opinion, and it's not the, and it's the emotionless opinion. He said that it doesn't matter any type of travel. If you're on travel, whether it's haram or makro or wajib or whatever, all travel allows you to wipe over the socks. Okay, and that is for 72 hours. The next week, what we will do, and this is very important next week, is that we are going to actually define, and it's fascinating, what does 24 hours mean and what does 72 hours mean? When does it start? All right, that's what we're going to do next week. Does does the 24-hour period when you're at home, does it start as soon as you put your socks on or your shoes on? Is it 24 hours now countdown? Does that 24-hour period start when you've actually made your wudu? As soon as you finish your wudu, 24 hours now? Does that 24-hour period start when as soon as you... So you've, you've made your wudu, you've put your socks on, and then a couple of hours later you break your wudu. So it starts after you've broken your wudu. Does it start uh, after six, seven hours later when you first do your mas'h? 24 hours more you have after your first wipe? Lots of interesting points, right? That's inshallah going to be next week uh, uh, in this. For Jazakumullah khair. Any uh, quick questions? Any other ones? Yeah. So we, we put up this wipe. Yeah. Yep. No, uh, we believe, as we said, that there's no evidence to show that there is no Jum'ah for someone in between. Meaning a person who, as long as he's not Musafir, he should pray Jum'ah. That's our, uh, that's our take on this. Anyone who's not traveling, yep. So, so, so in principle, there's two opinions, you see, right? There is the opinion that this person is, is not staying at home, he's at his cousin, he's moving around. Therefore, it's completely acceptable for this one to pray like a musafir, qasr all the way. Okay? Yes, this is completely permissible. I myself, I, I am more stricter upon myself. I don't give this as fatwa for other people. I myself, if I'm in a place for more than four days, I will actually pray fully. But I don't want you to be taking that position. I'm saying that in principle, a person when he goes to an area and he's clearly or she's clearly not at home and living in kind of, you know, with a family or something like that, then I think there's no problem with that. According to that kind of living condition, no. Well, we're going to come to that issue that is it actually true that a person who's musafir can't give a khutbah? We were going to come to that in its right time, inshallah. The, the, the position is, is that the majority of the scholars said, not the majority, sorry, the, the contemporary scholars do not consider the one who is musafir to be prohibited from giving a khutbah. They said there's no evidence to show that. Online, anything? Um, you mentioned that the opinion that traveling is what the people consider to be traveling in a modern, in a modern opinion. So was this not the position of Ibn Taymiyyah as well? 
Yeah. So I just want to say that, uh, you know, the issue of uh, questions on traveling. I mean, I gave you as an example to open up the chapter. But if we start taking chapter questions on traveling, we'll lose our minds. Yani, because there's thousands that, that can be on that. So we're not answering any questions on traveling. Someone posted a result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them. Okay, we done? Jazakumullah khair. We can do the salah for our Shaykh. Subhanakallahum bihamdik. Shalom alayhi wa sallam.